What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast. And today I have my good friend and for a fourth time on the podcast, Don Mann, former Navy SEAL, one, three, and six, all of those teams he was on. Um, so SEAL Team 6, which is like the, the most famous one, he was he ran that. He trained a lot of the Navy SEALs. He's an author. Um, he's a correspondent on uh, the news a lot. That's my dog, Boomer, in the background just walking around. But Don Mann is an incredible human being. Um, you can watch or listen to all three of the previous episodes on him, and they're fascinating stories that he tells me. But this one, we talk about the Russia and Ukraine conflict. We talk about the current administration. We talk about what's going to happen or what he thinks is going to happen with everything that's happening with Russia uh, and the Ukraine. We talk about China possibly going into Taiwan, North Korea into South Korea, Iran into Israel. There's a lot to talk about in this episode, so stay tuned. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and please click that, that bell notification so you get notified every single time my face comes on this camera or you hear my voice. So enjoy this episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast with former Navy SEAL Don Mann. See you next time. Peace out. This episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment. Bravo Concealment is known for some of the best high-quality and concealable holsters on the market. Located in the great state of Texas, they offer free shipping and unlimited lifetime warranty on all of their products. And a 30-day money-back guarantee if you don't like the product. I've been using Bravo Concealment for my gun holsters ever since I got into guns, and the quality is by far, bar none, the top notch in the entire industry that I've seen. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30-day money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using Explicit10. Use the code Explicit10, and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explicit Podcast. I'm Corey, and today we have the person who's been on the podcast now the most. That's Don Mann, former Navy SEAL, Frogman, uh, total badass. Don Mann, thank you so much again for a fourth time coming on the podcast to talk about what's going on in the world. Thank you again, Don Mann. Corey, it's a pleasure. It's always good to see you, and I, I like being on your show a great deal. It's a lot of fun. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, no intro needed for you, really. People, they can go back and watch the other episodes or just Google Don Mann, and you'll know who he is remarkable stories um great storyteller you're he's an author uh like i said seal team one three and six one two and six one two and six okay uh which is insane um so you've done a lot with the military you have an extensive military career you have a show called surviving man that season one was last year season two is getting ready to film we'll talk about that but i really wanted to talk to you about this Ukraine and Russia conflict um, and kind of pick your brain. But if you could kind of give me your thoughts so far uh, on what you've seen in this conflict, I would love to hear that. Sure, Corey. I think like most Americans, I, I view it the same. Um, I see it as heartbreaking. You know, um, the Ukrainian peoples, as we've been watching on TV, they are so strong. You only wish... America had that will like we used to have. But those Ukrainian people, I mean, uh, my heart breaks for them. And Russians, they're right next door. 
And I don't think the Russians are much different. So I just don't like seeing the loss of lives on either side. You know, as a former military guy, a former Navy SEAL, you know, we, we, we have opportunities to go over there and fight. And um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even see the rationale of being over there fighting because you have, in my view, just good people and good people fighting because of a couple leaders, mainly Putin. And uh, Putin's got this quest for power, quest for land, quest for his uh, name to be up there with Stalin and Lenin, and to hopefully start building back that Soviet Union again. And um, his plans are all failing. But while he's doing this great experiment, you know, many thousands of both sides of lives, uh, we're losing lives on both sides. And it's because of one man, similar to what happened with Hitler. So it, it's very, very upsetting to us all, I know. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's seeing some of the stories that are coming out uh, about like the, the people fighting and the people that are, you know, just bearing arms and like fighting for the country is incredible. Um, I know I follow boxing. So the Klitschko brothers um, were very popular back in the day. And, and I think it's Vitaly is, is uh, Vitaly Klitschko is the mayor of Kiev and like he w- he could have taken a private jet. He's a multimillionaire. He could have left the country. He's in there suited and booted with machine guns ready to fight. That just blows my mind, man. And the tennis star over it, there, right. one of yep. the greatest tennis players in the world. Yep. He said, my wife not, might not be happy with this, but I want to go fight for my country. Right. And the interviewer said, I, do you have any soldiering skills? He said, no, but I want to fight for my country. Right. He's given up the riches the same way. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's 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 fascinating, and to see like the people, like the government, basically giving everybody, like I think they made that law where like eighteen to forget the age limit of men literally couldn't leave the country because they needed to fight. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know. I've never seen war before in my life, as far as like front line. So I don't know how well they're doing. It seems to be doing decent, considering Russia is not just steamrolling them. I don't know what you're seeing. You know, Corey, I think I'm seeing the same thing, but um. You know, Russia's plans, and it's hard to know because Russia really doesn't let us know what they're putting out to their folks. But from what we hear is that young military guys going into Ukraine, they, they're saying, oh, whoa, we didn't know we were attacking Ukraine. We don't want to attack Ukraine. We're going to damage our tanks so our tanks won't make it in there. We're going to let the gas out. We don't want to make it to Ukraine. We don't want to kill those people. They're our brothers. And I think they see each other that way. Um, but there are atrocities going on both sides, but we're not hearing the numbers. And I, I watch a lot of European news and it looks like the numbers of Russians kill on the high end is 6,000 now. Whoa. And they have this device now, I guess they could put bodies into it and it just totally emulsifies the body. And so we may never know how many bodies are being lost over there, but the Ukrainians are putting up a fight like never before was ever thought by the Russians. The Russians thought they'd roll in. They thought NATO and European Union was weak and get weaker and fractured. The Ukrainian people would throw up their arms and give up. Well, none of that's happening, as we just discussed a couple of uh, stories. But so many Ukrainians, and I really, I believe it's in their blood and in their DNA to be like that. Because that president, who was a comedian a few years ago, I mean, for him, they, they didn't all act the way he's acting. That's just the Ukrainian person. That Ukrainian president now 
has that Ukrainian blood in them, and that is we don't really care about our safety or the money we make or the money we could be making. We want to fight for this country so it's here 100 years ago, 100 years from now. And they, they really have the uh, vision that although some say Putin may want to wipe out 60% of the population, I heard a story today where a woman was saying, if he does wipe out 60% of the population, it's going to take 100, 150 years for the 40% to rise back up. But we're not going away. We're going to fight, and this country's going to withstand Putin. And we may die, but the, the importance of us fighting are for the country's standings. I just think it's amazing. Right. We're living all as a, the whole world, I think, is taking great lessons from the Ukrainians. I agree. I, I think it's definitely a, a lesson to be learned for sure. I mean, I, th- I think I read a report that it was like, this is the first time since World War II that like there's been like a like on the ground invasion from one country to another, which is crazy. Because like, and tw- I, I sometimes think when I'm watching like the news reports, I'm like, this is 2022. We're watching a live invasion from one country to another. It literally blows my mind. You know, the, the other invasions, you know, uh, Kuwait and Panama, Grenada, uh, even Vietnam, um, they weren't invasions to go take over the country. Right. You know, they all had to do with freeing people, liberating the country from a dictator, liberating the country and backing out, trying to help that country and backing out. Now, granted, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq took a long time. But the, the point was, wasn't to take over the country. We're there doing our best to help the people there. Right. This right. isn't the case for Russia. Right. Yeah. They, they want to go in there and take over and then kind of reclaim what the Soviet Union once was. Right. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned like the, the, like the, not the, like the, the casualties and stuff like that, but aren't there like laws within war that you have to abide by? Cause I, I keep reading reports like the Russians are saying, oh, well, we're not trying to kill Ukrainian civilians and blah, blah. I literally saw a video of a Russian tank running over a man or a woman in a car and the person survived. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing when you hear war crimes. They're, yeah. they're considering right now if what Russia's doing is considered a war crime. And if that can't be considered a war crime, the definition of war crime has to be changed or altered. But that is true, what you just said, because you are not authorized on this planet to go attack a country for no reason. And, and since Hitler did that, uh, really, this hasn't happened since World War II, where a country is actually just trying to take over the neighboring country. They want to put in a puppet government so that government you know, would work under Putin. And they want to take over. Initially, they didn't want to destroy the infrastructure and the facilities and the bridges and all that because they wanted that country to withstand the invasion so its forces can work for the new leader who works under Putin. Right. But, uh, there is, you know, NATO, the big question right now seems to be NATO. Ukraine's not a NATO country. There's 30 NATO countries. We're one of the 30. And Article 5 is, NATO Article 5 is, if a NATO country is attacked, we all go defend it. Yep. And Ukraine does, doesn't meet Article 5. It might meet Article 4, that it's a country friendly to NATO, and it's a neighboring country, and it's got NATO's best interest and all of that. It might meet Article 4, meaning we can defend. But right now, we're just surrounding the country, protecting the countries, the NATO countries and other countries around it, 
to protect them from the invasion spreading out. But Corey, what gets me is you see that 40, 60 mile long convoy of tanks going in, they're gonna surround cities and they're gonna kill a lot of innocent people. Why we or somebody just doesn't take those tanks out, give them an hour notice. All of you have an hour to get out of those tanks. I know a lot of those Russian young boys and young men would say, hey, good, I'm out of here. And just destroy those tanks before they can get to an emplacement where they're gonna just kill a lot of innocent lives. Well, don't you think that like the the main reason I always thought China and Russia, those are two countries that you no, know, if, if, if we go to war with those countries, it's bad for everybody because the, the nuclear power that all of us have, you know, I don't Putin and, the, and, and China, like they would more than likely, I would think, use them. So don't you think maybe that's why like no one's like, hey, quick to pull the trigger on defending Ukraine because they don't want to start you know, World War III, because it could be the end. It could be. And and I do agree with you on that, because really, even the no-fly zone, if they stop all, all uh, the fly zone, even that there could possibly trigger... Yeah, it's an act of war, right? Nuclear war. Um, but, you know, China right now, they, they're, they're smart people. And, and Putin is a smart man, and he's very strategic, although he... He, I think he was sold he was sold some intel and some information that wasn't accurate. He was told that the Ukrainians would probably lay down their arms and just welcome the Russians. And he was told that they're not going to put up such a fight and he could roll into Kiev and just take it over in a number of hours, not in a number of weeks. And um, he had no idea about the resolve of the Ukrainians, which kind of strikes me as odd because he's right next door. Right. Um, but so China... Russia was smart. Putin was smart in siding with China. All they have in common, the biggest thing they have in common, I should say, is we're enemy number one to them both. Right. So they don't, they have a lot of odds against one another, but they both see us as their enemy. And China's got the money. Russia's got that mindset. And I think what happens right now is China sits back and they watch what's happening with the Russia invasion onto Ukraine before China goes into Taiwan, and maybe before North Korea goes into South Korea. And who knows what the Iranians are doing with all that money they're getting back for the nuclear weapons program that John Kerry and uh, President Obama authorized. God damn I mean, it, Don. That's one of my questions. Yeah, when we, when we have a weak presidency, which possibly we may have the weakest, or we have the weakest president in my lifetime, I know. When we have a weak presidency, we get attacked by our, our enemy. And it happens all the time. When Obama was president, he took Crimea. Putin took Crimea. When uh, Carter was president, we had all those 51 hostages taken. Reagan got elected, boom, they, they freed those hostages. When you have a weak president, your enemy attacks and they know to attack. It's just like a, a, a dog. You know, If they see a sheep all alone, they're gonna attack that sheep. But if that sheep has some, some protection around it, they'll leave the sheep alone. It's the same thing. So we're seen as a very weak country right now. Everybody saw the disaster in Kabul, what our leadership, how that handled that, and how we left American lives behind. We left everybody behind. We left $80, million, $80 billion worth of gear behind that can be used against us. And we just fleed and we ran. And the world's watching us like, wow, that's how they handled Kabul. And for Putin, he, I think he was waiting until a president like Biden got in 
and now is the time to attack. I want, like you said, to recreate something like the Soviet Union. Let's get our strength back. We need to do it with a weak president. But now China, who wants to invade Taiwan, is probably watching all the mistakes that Putin has made, all the errors that he's made in his judgment on, on how to attack this country. And I still believe China's going to take, take Taiwan, and we're not going to do much about it, if anything, maybe more sanctions. But um, it's not the sanctions that's hurting Putin so much, because he may be the, you know, Putin may have three distinctions for possibly the only time in the world somebody has that. He could be worth $60 billion. He could be, he is the richest leader in the world. He might be the richest man in the world. Uh, he might be the most powerful politician in the world up until two weeks ago. And up until two weeks ago, he might be the most popular leader in the world among his own people. I, and and he, he's in his 70s. He wants to be known as a Lenin or a Stalin or someone great. And if he could only get the Soviet Union built back or, can, or Russia back into a, an agreement like the Soviet Union, he can go down in history like Lenin or Stalin. I believe it's all backfiring on him. It's too yeah. early to tell right now, but I believe our president, I mean, Ukrainian's president, Skolensky would, I'm sorry, the president of Ukraine, I believe he is going to go down in history as one of the heroes of this decade, of our of this century, actually. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I've seen a lot of reports of him. I mean, like you say, he was a comedian a couple of years ago. And now he's on the, you know, fighting with these people, his people. And it's the resilience of the Ukrainian people is, is incredible. And I agree with you about America. Like we need to take note of that and like realize like the odds of something happening on our soil are much more or, or, or more rare than that as Russia and Ukraine, but uh, it's never you know, it, it can happen. Right. So like, you know, the good thing about America is we have 400 million guns. So we kind of have like this underbelly of like a defense, but I I've always thought we don't really have like the infrastructure to defend our actual land. If that makes sense. Like, like, uh, does that make sense or do we, I, I know what you're saying, you know, and as far as weapons go, you know, we have an, a large armament, you know, but Russia has twice as many tanks as we have. Whoa twice as many, they have a huge, huge armament as well. And, um, and, and luckily we're bordered with two large oceans. Exactly. Mexico and Canada. And, and, you know, for Putin, I can understand why he wouldn't want a NATO country on his border. For instance, we wouldn't want Russia on the border, our Southern border or our Northern border. Right. border. We wouldn't want that. I can understand why he doesn't want Ukraine to side with NATO. I can understand that regardless he doesn't have the right to attack an innocent country for no reason other than that right yeah well i two things you said one was actually one of my questions uh was um uh china into taiwan as soon as i heard that russia was going into ukraine the first thing i thought about was like wait this is just like a test for china to kind of or even a distraction because china wants Taiwan. They've been wanting Taiwan, and this is a great recipe for them to go in there. Do you think that China is going to eventually go? And if so, how soon do you think that would happen? It's kind of funny. The timing of things, you know, we get a weak president. The timing is our country gets attacked. We kind of assume that was going to happen. Um, 
China and Russia become allies. We kind of assumed that was going to happen. Uh, China becomes a friend of Russia. They get all friendly, friendly. And then China says, well, they got these Olympics going on. They end February 20th. If you're going to attack, we'll sit by and on sideline and watch, but don't do it before February 20th because we need the viewers we have for the Olympics. Right. Having issues with the viewers as it is. Um, so we want a big, big stage. We want a lot of viewership on the Olympics. As soon as the Olympics over, go do your thing. So they waited two days after the Olympics and, and did the invasion. But it is all about the timing. And, um, you know, China, they're, they're brutal. Russia is brutal. And um, they don't really care about human rights. They, like you said, they care about domination. And um, they are going to, they are, you know, right behind this with economic, you know, dominance in this world. Right. And they have a million man army and um, they're very powerful and very strategic. You know, you don't see them all over the world fighting in these little wars and things like that, but you do see them buying land and ownership of places all over this world. And I think they have a big strategy, big real world strategy on how they're going to rule this world. Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I go back to the conversation we had last time. Um, and right around that time, Kabul was happening and we were exiting Afghanistan. Um, and I remember you telling me like the number one takeaway from this is we are now gone. Russia and China is going to come in here and run this area in the Middle East, which then that would put them probably the closest that they've ever been to the our continental US, United States uh, geographically. Um, you know, I know China has a lot to do in Africa as well. So, but like the Middle East, like that's pretty close to us um, and other NATO countries and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts of like, do you think that was a big strategic move to kind of like start placing themselves in these areas to where when it does come time to maybe possibly attack or do something, they have that? Yes, they do. Especially giving up Bagram Air Base, how quickly we did yeah, that. Right. I would like to really know why we did that because President Biden did have generals, he had the Secretary of Defense stating, don't do it that way. You gotta keep Bagram there. President Trump had the plan. He got on the phone with ISIS, Taliban, all the, lead, the terrorist groups over there, said, here's what we're gonna do. Bagram is staying in place. We're gonna remove people. We're gonna remove our folks out of, out of Kabul and out of Afghanistan. And once we do, then we're gonna take the folks out of Bagram and if you hurt one hair on anybody's head, more hell is going to come down on you than you've ever, ever experienced in your lives. And he threatened them, but it worked because we didn't lose a whole, we didn't lose one life in 18 months. But then President Biden doesn't respect the military. That's pretty well known. But he did have leaders saying you can't take Bagram out first. And President Biden did. And uh, that was a big, big, big strategic mistake because how close Bagram is to that, you know, that's right in the part of the world we need a foothold. We gave that up and now for China or Russia to get in that. And like we talked about when we were talking about Kabul, China and Russia aligned with one another and with Iran. And now we have three enemy that just despise the United States. They have control of Afghanistan, including Bagram. And now they've got that foothold and we're not going to get it back unless we're really, and we're not ready for a lot of bloodshed for that, but we've lost a big, big foothold right where we need it in that part of the world. 
Right. And China and Russia and Iran are superpowers, all have nuclear capabilities. That, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, I feel like, yeah, we have all NATO, we have all these people like, you know, Great Britain and France and can't like all these allies. But I, I, I just, it's, it seems to me like these are little pieces that are just keep adding up and adding up to a potential World War Three. Right, because we're not doing that. We're not trying, trying to, um, you know, we're not actively pursuing other countries to come join us. European Union, you know, is economics, but NATO is the military and the protection and trying to keep the forces away. Putin sees us as trying to keep spreading NATO toward his direction. And um, he sees it as an act of aggression. We're seeing it as protection among our own countries. So I guess, depending on whose side you're on, you're going to see it as that's an aggressive act by trying to get Ukraine as part of NATO, right. or it's for Putin, it's defensive. We can't let the NATO country that close to us, especially made up with Ukrainians who are hard core, hardworking people who are very, very efficient and productive, and they can be worth a lot to a Soviet Union type. Right. I totally agree with you. And like, it scares me because like the, the type of military we have, I don't know. I've never been to military. I know a lot of military guys. They have told me over the years, military is getting a little softer. Um, but what is scary because the Russians, the Chinese are savages. Their military is like prestigious. They are looked at is like, like these great, you know, soldiers in their country. Um, I think our time from that has gone away personally from what I've seen as a civilian. Um, but like, what is your thoughts on like how America is right now? I know America is pretty soft when it comes to a lot of things, uh, like morally, you know, I don't know morally, but like we're soft in general compared to other countries that there's good things about that, but there's bad things when, when bad things happen. That's not a good thing to have, basically, is what I'm trying to say. You get our average 16-year-old, and they're on a couch playing games on a laptop or something. Look at the 16-year-olds in Ukraine. They're asking for weapons so they can go defend their country. Right. If we get attacked, and, you know, I'm, it's not unrealistic to think, and this isn't a good thought, that 100 years, maybe 50 years from now, we see Chinese tanks rolling down our streets. Right. I mean, that's not, I mean, if we have a weak leadership, if we have a state of mind, if we have a weak military and it stays weak and it keeps getting weaker and weaker and weaker, we are going to be taken over. I mean, we are United States and um, we are a target. And like Ronald Reagan did, you know, um, strength, strength brings peace. When you're a strong country, people leave you alone. And when you're a weak country, you're going to be attacked. And in the mindset, I agree with you, the military, um, the mindset of the military, unfortunately, this generation right now has what, what is being called woke leadership. You know, the Secretary of Defense, his generals are considered woke leadership. It's not a nice thing to say, and it even hurts me to say as a former military person, but you don't want your leaders talking about critical race theory and what pronouns to use when they should be talking about how we're going to get our folks out of Kabul or Afghanistan, right. or how do we go defend those, those folks and, and uh, you know, being attacked by the Russians. We need, we need to think like warriors again. 
And then I, I always compare back to the Spartans or the Vikings, uh, how tough those people were. And now how we are now, the only, only thing I can say is that we do have technology and wars are getting further and further apart. It was rocks and stones and spears and arrows and then pistols and long guns. And you get further and further away. Now there's push buttons. You push the button for the nuclear bomb. So you get further and further away. You don't have to be as tough, but you still have to have a tough warrior mindset where you want to defend your country and you have to protect your country and it's going to be a sacrifice at some times, like we see every day on the news with the Ukrainian, they're taking sacrifices to defend their country. And we can't lose that philosophy that our country is so important. It's not a bad country. It's not an evil country like what's being taught in school now. It's a country right. that made mistakes like any other country in this world. But we have to want to defend our country and love our country. My father was World War II, greatest generation. He always used to teach us. God, country, family. It should be in that order. God, your country, and your family. That's the order. And and I haven't heard that 25 years now. Right. Yeah, it's it, there's definitely been a culture shift. And it's it's socially, but also like it's it's affected the military and more importantly, how the rest of the world views us when we're put on this, you know, for for decades. I have a bunch of holsters from Bravo, and one of them is the inside the waistband holster so this goes inside the waistband if you want to conceal carry also swap it out here outside the waistband so this outside the waistband is actually like hella thin and you can see kind of like how how close to the body it can get you could take this on the range um you, you can probably conceal this and comfortably do it with you know a hoodie over top or whatever if you want to open carry um, it's up to you. They also send out mag pouches, right? So you can throw in an extra mag. You're going to the range. You don't have to unload and reload every single time. You got a little, uh, little hollow point moment. They come in handy if you're on the range, like I said, or if you can still carry and you're one of those people that are got to have a lot of mags or whatever, um, you know, whatever, whatever your cup of tea is. They also send you these really cool pamphlets. They go into great details in these brochures of how to wear things properly, safety mechanisms, and all the features that all of these holsters have as well. So they really focus on educating their customers, which when it comes to guns, safety and education are number one. They don't have any left-handed holsters except for the Glock 19. I'm a lefty, but the right-handed holsters are so dope and they're so comfortable and concealable that I don't really give a shit. Just learn how to shoot with my right hand. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping the 30-day money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using Explicit10. Use the code Explicit10, and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com. We've been going to fight these little wars and having everyone's back and putting our nose into places and, and being strong. And then now it's kind of like, other people around us like Russia and China have been building up over the decades, kind of minding their own business, not really doing anything crazy. Now that's, it's like, they, I feel like it's like their time. I think China has like by 2050, they want to be the superpower of the world. I think they have like a, a timeline. Um, I mean, it's 2022. That's not even 25 years from now that, you know, that's in my lifetime. That's in your lifetime that we will potentially 
see, like you said, Chinese tanks rolling down our streets. You know what I mean? Like, and if we keep going down that trajectory that we are now, very likely that's going to happen. And we're not going to be able to defend that no matter how far they are away from us or how close. And, you know, we do have the ability to win these wars that we get into, but we haven't been winning lately. Right. And, um, and it's not because we don't have great military people. We don't have, it's not because we lack in technology or the weaponry. It's for us, our administration in DC goes from left to right, left to right. We don't have a solid plan. It changes after a four year term of a president, sometimes eight year term. And it's let's go get him. No, let's not. And we don't have a steadfast philosophy to defend our country regardless. Um, and I'm not saying just the left and the Democrats are not for defending our country. I'm saying the right is more for defending it. The left is less for defending it. But right now, um, we, we, are not, we are not doing to the most of our ability to defend our country and the country's that have our interest and in, in their best interest. Right. You said something that I've, I've talked a lot about with other like historical polit- politics, political historians, uh, economists and stuff like that about our system and how we do, we have the, you know, the, the red and the blue. And it's, that is, that's so frustrating to me too, is like, I'm a registered independent. Like there's things on the left that I totally agree with. There's things on the right that I totally agree with. So I'm not, one side but i i think our system is somewhat flawed uh it worked 200 plus years ago that's fine but to your point it's almost impossible for anything to happen in a four-year term uh you have complete overhaul and administration and i know government is not it's made to be inefficient if it was efficient like things getting done quickly then it would somewhat be kind of a dictatorship and only certain people would be successful but i think it's crazy to go back and forth at a minimum of every four years, like you said. And a lot of these nowadays, the politicians are so far from each other that they're not even in the middle at all. It's like they're somewhat far right or they're somewhat far left. So it's to your point, we're all in with Trump. You know, nobody's really fucking with us. And then Biden gets in office. And now it's like, it's a soft administration. It's this and that. It's the complete opposite of Trump. Yeah, they're doing things that might be good in other places, but are they really protecting the future of the United States? No. So it's like it's it's. I think it needs to be re-looked at. Honestly, the entire system, at least how we choose our presidents, um, who they are, because you know the president. That's a tough job. You have to be a master of economics, uh, you know, diplomacy, uh, foreign leader, uh, foreign affairs. Uh, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff that like people that are that, that I've seen lately that have been the president, they're not experts in any of that shit. <laughs> they're just popular. You know what I mean? They're the best name. They're the biggest name. You know, there's a lot of other candidates that I saw in the last eight years, eight to 10 years that actually qualify to lead and do something that that these people just are not that, if that makes sense. I looked at our country. We have 30. 330 million people in this country and and I look who's leading it now. How did that happen? You know, and then, you know, the right and the left, like you say, it keeps going further and further and further. But when you have an administration that comes in just to undo everything the last administration did, for instance, we were energy independent a year ago. Now we're paying Russia $25 million a day 
for oil. We're funding the war to attack Ukraine. Right. We could have definitely had our own oil, not have to buy it from the Russians or the Saudis, and we could be selling oil to the Europeans, so they're not funding Russia. Right. I mean, and that was out of spite. I don't know why else that would be done. The, the environmentalists, which I'm, I love the environment as well. So if you're an environmentalist, you say, no, 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 we don't want any oil or fracking or drilling in our continent, but we'll let those other countries do it. What kind of environmentalist is that? Why are they okay with them destroying the land over there? I don't get it. I think that was done out of spite. Like you said, the far, the right's going further, the left's going further. But to undo the good that the former administrator administration put in a place, like to become energy independent, and not have to do now where we have to pay our enemies once again for oil and they could raise the price anytime they want with OPEC and they do and now Russia I heard this a little while ago that a year when Trump was in office Putin didn't have the money to attack Ukraine but now that the pipelines and he sees with the pipelines established and him supplying oil to Europe and us now he's got the money to attack Ukraine we are basically funding Putin to attack Ukraine right. with all the money that we're spending on oil of his oil rather than our own when we have the largest supply of oil in the world here. Right. And it's frustrating for me. It I don't is, want to fill my, gas, my car up with gas because I don't want to fund Russia. Yeah, no, and it's that's a that's a great way to kind of like granular way to look at it too is like breaking it down all the way to like how it's how you're being affected by it too and i mean the sanctions are one thing like that's why i think like no one's really doing anything like kind of like defense wise or war like fighting wise because they're just like well we don't really want to deal with russia and china because they have nukes so let's just put sanctions on them i mean I guess the ruble is basically worthless at this point. And, and honestly, the sanctions aren't really hurting Putin. They're hurting the people of Russia. Yeah, yeah. he's worth, what, $60 billion or yeah. whatever? He's he doesn't fine. really care about people. Right, no. Well, he wants the votes and he wants to stay in power. He's afraid to let leave power. And from what I understand, the reason he wants to stay in power is he doesn't trust that he would be safe if he left power. He wouldn't have the, the safety net around him. Protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I was thinking is like, why don't they just, why doesn't someone just like assassinate Putin? Like, I mean, that's, I don't know, that would be my kind of, <laughs> not to say that I wouldn't assassinate Putin. But. Yeah, I mean, they tried with Hitler, you know, and um, those assassination attempts that failed, they tried with Saddam. Right. And, um, you know, um, I that would be the, the, probably the least amount of lives lost, perhaps, right. if somebody was able to take him out or, you know, just take, get the, Kremlin disappears and right. Putin disappears and Russia is, you know, we, we don't want to leave a void because we've learned that before. You don't want to leave a void like what happened in Iraq. Right. But if Putin was gone and his government was re replaced with a more sensible leader, um, that could solve a lot of problems. Right. I agree. I remember you, you told me the first time we spoke that the America, and this was like in 2019, I think we spoke, um, you said that we could fight was it one and a half or two, two and a half, half. two yeah. and a half world yeah. wars so my question for you you're getting kind of your lighting is like really dark you look super dramatic right now. yeah turn that light on i'm actually going to close my my light too is that better? yeah you, you were like super dramatic <laughs> <laughs> the lighting was like half your face it looked really cool um so, so i'll edit this out but um my question is you said we could fight two and a half world wars so a 
is that current? Can we still do that? And B, does that mean we could fight one world war with China, one world war with Russia, and then half one with Iran? You know, when Ronald Reagan was in power, we were a two and a half war uh, capability for our military where we could fight not necessarily world wars, but two wars at the same time, and then have a contingency back home. If we were, if we needed it, we can go off and put on two and a half war. Gotcha. So we had that capability, but that was in the eighties. Um, a lot's happened since then. Uh, you know, the rise in the left, the rise and the fall of the military happens with the right and the left coming in. The left lowers the funding. They lower the military. The numbers in the Pentagon gets lowered. The right comes in and boosts back up. But right now we're low. We're low as far as what we can do. And, um, and, and we're war weary too. We're just tired of being at war. You know, we're always right. you know, Afghanistan, Iraq really made up personnel war weary. And we don't really want to be in a war again. But you know, if you bring it back to World War One and World War Two, World War One was a war overseas. We didn't really want to be in that, but we got into World War One. We came back home. And then we see what's going on with Japanese aggression and Germany's aggression. And all of a sudden, this war is going on over there in the Pacific and the Atlantic. And Winston Churchill wanted to wanted to get our support. And we were saying, no, we don't really want to go back to war. We're tired of war. And Chamberlain, um, it was the same thing, Chamberlain and Churchill, right and left. But Churchill was the warmonger pretty much. And he wanted our support and he needed our support. We were saying, no, 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 we don't want that. But we ended up going and actually ended up saving the world. We would probably all be speaking German right now if that hadn't happened. And now it's almost the same thing. We're tired of war. We're tired of war. But now Hitler, who took over so much of Europe, now we have a tyrant who's trying to do the same thing, and he has to be stopped. And the less bloodshed to stop him, the better. If we allow him to keep going, there's going to be so much more bloodshed, and who knows what power he'll gain along the way. It's just got to be stopped. Everybody, at least everybody, but I think five countries now wants this to be stopped. And I believe those countries are like, you know, it's uh, Iran, China, Russia, Cuba, and possibly Syria. Everybody else is against this. And at least we're talking. We're not doing much other than the sanctions. But I think we need some military might in there just to, Putin's got to be stopped in his tracks. Right. He's got to be crushed and to save lives. So what do we do? I mean, like I said in the beginning, it's like the moment something happens and it pops off, it's going to be bad for everyone. So how do we do that? Because you make a great point, actually. Like we would all be speaking German if America didn't step up and go over there and, and handle business and drop the bombs on Japan and do all those things. Yeah, that's, that's 100% accurate. But like times have changed now where everybody's got those bombs now. Right. That's right. I mean, we know Russia, the, the biggest worry right now with Russia, the people who know Putin, they say back him into a corner and he gets very dangerous. Right. Right now he's being backed into a corner because now these, this grand illusion he had, what was going to happen is not happening. And now the world has turned against him yeah. and his troops are turning against him. And uh, he is being backed into a corner and we're, all the countries are being careful because he does have a nuclear, he's already, last week he got the nuclear options on standby, yep. went to condition two, 
and um, and of course China, and we 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 can't have that. No. And so everybody's being cautious, at and at the same time lives are being lost. And um, I do have hope that we have a lot of sane minds in these meetings, and I do have hope nobody's going to rush into anything that makes a bad situation worse. And I really have a lot of hope and faith in the um, Ukrainian people um, that they're not going to back down. And this big, big bear, Russia, is being defeated, hopefully, by a Ukraine that's being supported by 30 other countries. Right. That's um, might be enough, I hope, for Putin to that country, for Russia to implode. Because no country can really go out of be, be become extinct really without it happening from within and if right. the people uh 60, protesters now if his military his oligarchs are all uh, protesting this now he's gonna he he could be backed into a corner but he's losing all of his support and that's what we hear we know we're not getting all the news but that's what i like to believe right yeah i agree with that i think also like to your to your point a minute ago was like Putin came in thinking he was going to do this one thing. And now he kind of looks stupid because you, Ukraine, they're not laying down. They're putting up arms. They're, they're, they're resilient people, but the world's watching this. And it's just like this big bully in high school. That's just getting punched back in the face, like over and over again. And it, he looks terrible. Um, and he looks like a war hungry maniac, which to your point scares the hell out of me and a lot of other Americans, because you're right. Like, if he is backed into a corner, what else would he do? Oh, all right, you you know, you want to laugh at me? I'm going to press this little red button and send a nuke over to the United States, even though we haven't done anything to him. But clearly, he doesn't care. He's already invaded a country that has done nothing to him already. So, what's to stop him from doing that in other places? Because isn't the NATO thing too? Like, we protect him. So, like, if I'm glad the Ukraine wasn't in the NATO, to be honest with you, because if they were we would already be at war. We would be. We sure would be. And this probably would have happened a long time ago, this invasion. Um, you know, actually, but the east side of Ukraine is very mountainous and it's back in, on the border of Russia. Uh-huh. And um, the north, it, it's pretty much flat land. So the tanks can easily roll through there. But on the west is borders with Europe. The western side of Ukraine, a lot of more of those people are pro-European. Right. And they get the internet and they're watching what's going on in the, the free world. But on the east, where it's kind of scattered and the home that's not as populous, and it's on the border of Russian with more of a Russian influence, the country is sort of fractured, huh. but it's getting more and more and more westernized. And that scares Putin. Putin. Right. He doesn't want these people to buy off on the Western ideals. Right. And, and he 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 needed to put a stop to that. And this is his timing to do so. But he is, like you said, he is scared to death. He doesn't want to be a failure. He came out of the, he was unemployed basically before, you know, after he left the KGB, he wasn't some killer in the KGB. He was just um, a typical guy in the KGB. He was just, he wasn't anybody really, but he had a heart and they saw that and he defended Boris Yeltsin. And when Yeltsin was uh, getting really ill and sick, he stood by Yeltsin. The country was so, so corrupt. But Boris Yeltsin saw something in this young man thinking, okay, this guy doesn't give up. He's a fighter. He'll, lead, he'll carry on with my corruption. And, and he picked the right guy, if that's what he was looking for. And uh, 
I think Putin will go to his death in defending and doing everything he can to defend Russia and making Russia a more powerful country. Right. No, I agree. I, th- I think he's, he's definitely, uh, he's that, that is him. Like he's always been like that. I mean, he's been a dictator for God decades and he's been, he doesn't care about human life. I mean, he kills his own people. He assassinates his own people. Um, yeah, it's, it's scary that those people are out there in 2022. You got him in China too. And it's, I think like to your point earlier is like China is like you said, sitting back and watching all the mistakes that Russia is making. Russia is almost like this kind of like floppy kind of like, Oh, I'm just going to try this. And like, I think China's way more strategic and like kind of like intelligent when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I'm curious to see the timeline. I'm curious what this timeline is going to be like for China, because they're 100 percent going to go into Taiwan. Uh, I didn't even think about North Korea going into South Korea. I don't even know if uh, uh, what's his name, Kim Jong Un or Kim Jong Un or yeah, yeah. I don't even know if he's alive. Like I don't even know what his deal is. Like, but the North has always wanted to come down to the South, and yep. it's not like if it's when. And they've right. been wanting that since the 50s, you know, right. there in the Korean War, 50 to 53. So he wants that. And, uh, you know, Trump got a little bit of friendly, you know, rapport going back and forth from him and Trump, but that all blew up and stopped. But um, this would be, thinking like the enemy, this would be his time to, to invade. Right. Yeah. And. That, that's what's that's what's also scary too because it's like if you have russia invading ukraine china invading taiwan north korea invading uh south korea it's like that someone's got to stop that and like do we stop it now before it gets too big or do we wait for all those dominoes to fall and not to mention iran wanting to wipe israel off the face of the earth true capabilities yep god damn so, yeah and but you know you know Corey, and i don't want to say this lightheartedly <laughs> or anything but the world is always at war and we're always, always at war. Um, this here, we get to see all the stories so it all affects our hearts and it's all heartfelt stories and everything. And, but those stories have gone on since the beginning of time. It's always gonna happen. It's always gonna be there. And I think hopefully for the most of the world, we're getting smarter on defeating a person like Putin or Hitler. And, and I, but it's all over the internet. It's all over the news. We're seeing more of these atrocities, uh, but it's it's never going to stop. And it's always about religion, land, or power. You know, uh, countries want you to turn to our religion. We want more land, or we want more power. It's one of those three things. And uh, you know, John Lennon sang the song "Imagine." Imagine if there's no religion, if no no land and uh, no possessions. I mean, that's not going to happen because it's always going to be a religion. There's always going to be people who want power like Putin. There's always going to be land grabs because people talk about the artificial borders. Yeah, we put these artificial borders in place. Well, that's when I hear that, and that's why we're invading because it's not an official border. It's lunacy in my mind because this was a big plan without any borders at one time. All the borders are artificial. You know? Right, yeah, right. But, um, but as long as there's those three elements, there's going to be war. And as long as we have the right minds in there debating on what we're going to do, what sanctions are going to be, do we invade? Do we try to take this person out? Um, how do we get rid of Putin? Uh, let's do it with le- losing the least amount of lives. 
I have faith that although I pick on, you know, our president now because I think he's very, very weak. And I do think that there's a lot of minds in there at the table trying to figure it all out. And like you brought up a number of times, we can't make a rash decision. We can't just go in there because that madman has his button on the pulse. And there could be World War III this week right. if, if somebody makes a mistake. And I have faith that the people uh, who wanted to defend Ukraine are not rash and they're not going to make a decision where we can go into World War III. I mean, World War I resulted because a man was shot on a bridge. Uh, accidents happen and things escalate and boom, you can be right into a world war. But now with all these nuclear powers at stake and all the energy and oil at stake um, and the cyber attacks that can happen. Right. That's um, we, we've caught Russia with the cyber attacks hitting us before. I mean, who's to say tomorrow our money's blocked? We can't get our money out. Who's to say we can't get gas anymore? Who's to say our power won't go on? It's not going to happen tomorrow, but that's that's the world we're in now, that that can happen, and we can't allow that to happen, and we can't allow the energy to, to stop flowing. And blood for oil, I know the Bushes took a lot of criticism, thinking that's why we went in to, to get oil, but oil's livelihood, and there's a lot... A lot of lives have been lost to defend oil coming into our country. And Putin's, he beat us on that. He got Europe to sign up. Yeah, buy my oil. He got us to sign up. Yeah, we'll buy your oil too. I think Germany's 50 or 60% of the oil comes from Russia. Yep. They have to be so careful. Yep. I mean, they're making Putin very rich by buying all this oil from him. And now it's $100 a barrel or close to 100 a barrel. A year and a half ago, it was $47 a barrel. We're making him a rich man. Yep. No, I saw that in Germany. Like somebody was like, Germany was like, oh yeah, we're going to defend this, do that. And then someone was like, Russia owns you basically. Like you give them so much money. There's like nothing you can do. Um, but it's, it's, you made a good point about like the, um, oh my God, what did you just say about the fucking, um, um, like, like tread lightly. I think a lot of the leaders right now are treading lightly and it's, it, that's what I, I I agree with you. I'm kind of like I have confidence that like hopefully people in these rooms care more about the people in their country than X, Y, and Z because like the decisions that they're gonna make are gonna determine what happens to us in the next you know couple years, whatever. But you mentioned cybersecurity. That is something that is crazy. I talked to a CIA operative a couple months ago and he was talking to me about he just did nothing but cybersecurity and he's like the stuff that that we're constantly fighting on a daily basis. It blew my mind. Like, obviously you couldn't tell me certain things, but like, I mean, like you said, like they could literally, if they knock down our power grid or do something like that, and it's, we're basically defenseless. Like it's very scary that, that they have the capability of that. And Russia and China are like leaders in all of those things. Yeah. And, and a lot of wars start with cyber attacks. Yeah. Um, you know, but Ukraine, I love their attitude. They're not saying, Putin, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill all these Russians. President comes out and says, we don't want to kill Russians. We really don't. We don't want to kill that. So they're not coming across as bloodthirsty people, although their land and families are being attacked and killed. They're just saying, we just need help to prevent them from doing this right. and for taking over the rest of Europe and, and, and onward. And I love the example, this setting that they are strong and they're powerful, but they're not bloodthirsty and they're not crazed killers. 
They just wanted to defend their land and they're asking for our help. And they're not, they're not, they don't even speak poorly of the Russians, which surprises me the way they handled this all. And um, so there isn't any crazed maniac that we're seeing there, like, let's just go blow the smithereens out of them. We're not hearing that, thank God. Right. Yeah, I've seen a couple of reports where like Russian soldiers are actually going into Ukrainian houses and they're giving them food um, because they, like you said, they're they're so alike. They're the same type of people. Um, That exactly, yeah. It's just that's got to be. I can't even imagine having to to do that. Um, One more question about this, and then we'll move on to some more uplifting things. (laughs) Um, So let's say, Don, you have a a magic wand or like, what would you do in a situation like this from a military perspective? Would you kind of sit back, wait and watch, or would you full on end Putin's uh, reign in Russia? If there was a magic wand, and if it was that easy, um, I would not sit back and watch because lots of innocent lives are being killed and families destroyed. If there was such a thing as a magic wand, um, like a rabid dog, Putin would have to be put out of his misery and he would have to be replaced with a government of their choosing um, and, and, and us help them and Ukraine to get back to stability. And it's just, as we know, as far as we know, there's one man who wants this war and this invasion. And if you have a rabid dog, you don't just keep making concessions. Okay, we'll just keep our chickens in the backyard. We'll keep the cat away. We'll, we'll do everything so that rabid dog uh, can keep doing his thing. Uh, the rabid dog has to be put down. Um, and, and Putin, he, he's not gonna change. And um, I do believe if he goes away, if his people put him away, if he goes to jail or whatever, um, and his government's replaced, I think that's it. The less lives will be lost, least lives will be lost. And um, I think that'd be the best best outcome right. to change out their government, hopefully from within that they do it themselves. So it's not us or somebody else coming in and trying to take over a foreign government. I think we learned that lesson <laughs> yeah, a number of times. Yeah. 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 Just let them do their own thing. Right. And assist if, I mean, we're always assisting and um, yeah, but just try to get some stability back in there, but Putin has to be stopped. Right. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. I have my, if I put my military hat on, which is not existent, <laughs> I would agree with what Don man just said. So um, moving forward, let's talk about, Surviving Man. Season one was fucking awesome. Um, you're now about to film season two later this year. Uh, I've gotten notifications to apply. Marissa, your social media lady has said, oh yeah, you should apply. Uh, and I'm like, uh, no, uh, because I would fail miserably and I don't want to fail miserably on, uh, on national television. So there's that. But can you tell me more about C- uh, Surviving Man season two? Sure. You know, but you would probably enjoy it a great deal. It, it's going to be hard for everybody. everybody. You're so nice, Don. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I told I, what I told everybody last time. I said today was really, really difficult. It was a tough, tough day, but you should all be very grateful because um, it was much easier than tomorrow's going to be. And I told them that every morning, just to give them a little update. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give them some false hope. <laughs> It's going to be brutal. 
and Sheriff Lamb, who's who I'm so happy to be working with. Sheriff Lamb is going to be my co-host, and you've probably seen him on TV, CNN, or Fox News, or MSNBC. He's a national figure. He's a crime fighter. He's done a lot for our country, and I'm very eager to work with Sheriff Lamb. So he and I are going to be uh, working together, and the locations to be determined. We're not going. We don't want to go back to Vegas. We want to get it someplace other than the desert. And we had the top three men from Surviving Man season one come out to Georgia with us a few months ago, and we put them through an event called Surviving Man All Stars. And it was 51 hours of hell. Oh I mean, God. they didn't sleep. They we gave them some chickens. They killed the chickens and ate the chickens. I told them that was the meals for the 50 hours. <laughs> and we said, let's go get some exercise equipment. We went out in the woods to chop down trees for the logs for the log PT. And it was nonstop for 50, 51 hours. And, um, and then the women, the top three women of Surviving Man season one, they're going to come out here in May. And there's a ski resort, Wintergreen Resort, right behind me. And we're going to put them through a brutal, brutal, brutal course. That's, I'm not telling people what it is. But um, I've been working on that for the last couple of months. And so the top three women will go through that. And that's invitational only. And then that's called TAR, T-A-R for Terrain Adventure Racing. And then we'll have an open to the public TAR in, in um, August. And then that'll be not as extreme as what we're putting these three women through, but there'll be 25 body weight evolutions you have to do. So you'll get to one place and there'll be a body weight exercise you have to do. Then there'll be 25 ropes areas. You have to do low ropes that require a lot of skill and but if you fall you're not going to get hurt you won't have a helmet or a harness on and they're low ropes for agility coordination and strength so it'll be 25 body weight exercises or evolutions and 25 low ropes for the tar that's open to the public in august but the tar that's for these three women who are coming the champions of surviving man they're going to get the basic tar with a lot of elements on top of that which it, it's going to be brutal for them that's like torture it is torture. We're <laughs> going to see some tears and crying and screaming and yelling and fun and laughter and right. all, all sorts of things like we used to see in the big adventure races right. that we always did and raced and produced. But it's it's what people want. They want the challenge, and we're going to not disappoint them in that challenge. Right. So Surviving Man, it's going to be a whole new cast of characters. It's going to be 24. Um, so last time we had 32, so we we noticed that there were a little bit too many for character development. So we're going to bring it to 24 and they're going to be characters of all walks of life, you know, and basically they have to have an interest and some experience in shooting shotgun, long gun, pistol and exercise. And there'll be a mission involved and it's going to be a five day event. And it'll either be in Georgia where we had the surviving man, all stars, or it'll be in West Virginia. We're still deciding on the, the location. Right. Now. Right. It's gonna that's, be a lot of fun. Thanks for asking about that. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, I I love I love watching this stuff. It's so because and like knowing you too, it's kind of like yeah, it's like your element, like leading people and like the mission aspect of it. I think it's so cool. My favorite part was when you flew in with the chopper with the suit. That was like <laughs> that was so awesome. Though. But um, yeah, so you make it really appealing for me not to apply. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Um, I won't be applying. So. Yeah, whether it's Georgia or West Virginia, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I won't be there. I will be watching, though. 
Um, yeah, Sheriff Lamb. He's the one from uh, Locked Up or 60 Days In or something like that. Yeah, he had his own TV show. Yeah, he's been on hundreds of shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he. I watched him on uh, 60 Days In where he would like set the people up. They would go into jail and like then he would like kind of like assess them afterwards and like how they did. Yeah, he's a he's a badass, too. Yeah. And, you know, even though you might not be out there, like I said, Mike, but you, we could still work with you out there. We can have people come and talk to you if you'd like during the show. Absolutely, man. That would be great. Yes. Line them up and I'll, uh, I'll talk to them like during the show and stuff like that. Yeah. Honestly, like when you're filming, let me know if I'm in the area, I'll, I'll, I'll give, shoot you a text and maybe I'll come down there and see you on set if I can. Fantastic. Well, it will be in August. I'm sorry. Okay. It's going to be June, June 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, and 29th. Okay. And um, th those dates were just established last week. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, it'll be on the East Coast. Right. Yeah, definitely. I'll, uh, I'll make my way. I've been making my way to the East Coast a lot lately, so I might trek out there. When does it air? Do you have that date? No, that, that depends. As a matter of fact, tomorrow there'll be filmers, uh, video and camera guys coming here tomorrow to do last interviews for the Georgia event we had, which was four months ago. So it'll probably be four to five months after the, right. the event. Sounds about right. Cool. Um, well, is there anything else that you want to talk about, Don, before I let you get out of here? Well, it's always good to see you. And um, I enjoyed talking with you as always. And uh, the Ukraine thing, you know, I, I pray for people and I pray for the Ukrainians and the Russians both. And I just um, hope one way or the other Putin stopped and we can stop the, uh, you know, the killings over there. Right. Yeah. And uh, Don, thank you for uh, coming on. I love talking to you and hearing your perspective, especially on these things. It's unfortunate that I'm always having to reach out to you when something crazy like this happens, but you have such good insight uh, and knowledge on this because you literally lived it. Um, but where can people find you? I know usfrogman.com, but you know, if you want to shout out anything like that, that would be great. Well, yeah. Um, so I am, the website is usfrogman with two ends, like my last name.com. And I'm not on social media and I, um, I'm not on social media. Marissa does the social media. <laughs> But for email, I'm on usfrogman2ends.com. Right. Yeah. I'll put all the links to his social media uh, and his in and, and all the contacts, stuff like that in the description below. But once again, Don Mann, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Oh, I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure, Corey. It's awesome. Good to see you. you too, man. That's another episode for the E4 Explosive Podcast. We'll see you next time.